0: Well it is good to uh, be able to share again with you and uh, good on you for being here this morning in what is a pretty cold cold old time here in Melbourne and, um, but it's good to be together. Over the next few weeks we, we want to look at some important issues that, that come out of questions that people have raised to me and these are people that are within the church as much as they are outside of the church. Questions when it comes to to God. Now, for some of you here, over the next three weeks, um, you're going to go, well, this is just so black and white. Why would anyone question this at all? Well, I say good on you that that is the place that you find yourself. That's great. And you need to be encouraged and to be thankful that you're in that place. But for others, these are some of the questions that, that people ask time and time again. And we could do actually a series for a number of years on questions that people ask about God. But I also want to just include this, and I try and say this as much as I can each week, that if you're here this morning and that you're not a Christian, you're unchurched and you've come in this morning, I just want to say it's so good that you've come this morning. It's a courageous thing to do. And all that you hear is optional. You don't have to believe it if you don't want to. But uh, you're not required to. But I believe that it's the truth that so much comes from um, what you hear and believing what, what we want to speak about each week here at Kilsyth when it comes to, to, to God and a relationship with Jesus Christ. But a lot of people do wonder this what, what is God like? Is God really out there? I don't mean the sort of stuff that you're supposed to so much believe that somebody teaches or you've heard. But there's lots of ideas and thoughts that are out there. There's so many books that you can buy on who God is, is what is God like. But you can also see it in the movies, you can see it in cartoons. There's, I'm not sure if you've heard of The Far Side and a guy called Gary Larson. And he once put this, um, this cartoon together. And I'm not sure, there it is. Uh, Thanks, Dawn. And it's this picture of God at at the computer. And this poor guy is walking along with this piano that's suspended above his head. And God's finger is right above the smite button. And God's about to strike a very heavy blow on this guy. And you wonder, is this what God is going to do? I'm not sure if you saw the deep theological movie Bruce Almighty. Did anyone see Bruce Almighty? Some of you just don't want to raise your hands because I better not raise my hand because I saw that movie. But anyway, I've seen it a number of times and uh, I I get a good laugh out of it. Um, But there's a scene in it where Bruce Almighty, he's really upset with God because he hasn't got his way. And um, he's in the rain, the rain's pouring down and he yells out these words, smite me, almighty smiter. In a sense saying, God, I haven't got my way, you're doing this on purpose. It's funny, isn't it? Yeah, oh, I thought it was for you. I did a pretty good job of it, didn't I, Chris? But, but this idea gets expressed in some of the oddest ways. You know, if, you, if you're in the insurance business or you don't even have to be in the insurance business and when there's um, earthquakes, when there's tornadoes, um, flooding, we call them acts of, acts of God. How are we going out there? All right, acts of God. How do you think that makes God feel? When these things are called acts of God. I, I just was in a fortunate place being on holidays and I just saw some of the most beautiful sunsets the most beautiful sunrises most beautiful rainbows in the most beautiful places but yet we don't call them acts of God but yet it's the terribly destructive things that we do and there's this kind of idea out there that God must be kind of mean kind of destructive You know, I'm not going to go too much into this quote because I don't want to give him too much time. But Richard Dawkins, the atheist author and speaker, believes so strongly that religion is a bad thing and that God presented, especially in the Old Testament, is such a bad person. And in his book, Uh, The God Delusion, he, he said this, and I'll just read a little bit of it. He says, the God of the Old Testament is arguably the most unpleasant character In all fiction, jealous and proud of it. A petty, unjust, unforgiving control freak. A vindictive, bloodthirsty ethnic cleanser. And then he gets a lot nastier, so we won't probably go into that as well. But it's not just atheists that wonder that. People who are seeking about religion and the truth wonder. Who is God? Who is this God in the Bible that I read of? People ask and they raise questions. What is he like? Maybe that's you. What is God really like? How how do I work all of this out? So, So we want to come into this series and we want to ask three questions Is God angry? Next week, is God judgmental? And is God caring? So you're a caring God. And I think they're really important questions, <clears throat> excuse me, that for us to ask, for us to think about. Because it's important to know who, who God is. What is He like? Is there a hope in believing in Him? Or is it not? Is He kind or do I actually have to keep my options to look after myself is it okay to fully trust him so this week we want to look at God and anger it's a big topic I came across just I get these quotes on my phone every day and uh, one of them was Mark Twain and he said anger is an acid that can do more harm to the vessel in which it is stored than to do anything on which it is poured anger so so i want to work our way through some questions this morning that i think people ask and i and i've asked from time to time and the first one is this what does the bible mean when it talks about god being angry there are people who assume that since god is a god of love he would never get angry at any time about anything or anybody but if you read the bible much you will see that there's these type of statements that i just want to read to you that talk about the anger of god We see this in the Old Testament. It says, The Lord's anger burned up against Israel because they were disobedient. And he made them wander in the wilderness for 40 years. That's a lot of wandering. You never go out wandering for 40 years. Just wander around. That's a long time. You're not going to do that. It's a long time to wander. In Job, it says this when he talks about the evildoers. He says, By the breath of God they perish and by the blast of his anger... They come to an end. Pretty straightforward statements about God's anger. Now part of what's interesting is that at the same time, the Bible talks quite a lot about humans being angry and essentially every time it says that's not a good thing. People shouldn't get angry. Ecclesiastes says anger resides in the lap of fools. Proverbs 14 says the wise avoid anger. Paul says, and we're going to come back to this passage a little bit later, but he said to the church of Ephesus there, he said when he wrote to them, in your anger do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. So one really important idea is the Bible is that, that, that anger as God experiences is very different to the anger that you and I experience. So we So we can't point our experience of anger to God. That's a really important thing to take hold of today. Think about when you get angry. Just have a think when you get angry. What happens when you get angry? Bodily stuff takes place. Your muscles tense up. They clench. You start to go a little bit of a different colour than you are maybe right now. If you are red, you're angry probably right now, I don't know. But your blood pressure rises, your heart rate accelerates, you have this surge of energy. All things happening to your body. For human beings, anger is naturally a physical, and the anger, angrier we get, the more our body takes over by the anger. We talk about people doing this. They're having a meltdown or my goodness they are not rational at all right now some of you are laughing i'm not sure if you're laughing at the person next to you or whatever but here's the thing we know we understand that have you been around someone like that i, I think you have i'm guessing someone may well have been around you when you were like that as well at some point or another you know one of my favorite superheroes is on the screen I loved The Incredible Hulk. Not probably because I don't look anything like him, but but remember, for those of you who don't know, the who doesn't know The Incredible Hulk, I just want to talk about. All right, good. There's someone here, so I'd love to talk to you about it, Rosemary. He also goes by the name of Dr. Bruce Banner. And Dr. Bruce Banner says things like this: "Just don't get me angry. If you go any further, I'm going to get angry, and stuff's going to happen." And when he hits that point of anger, he turns into this mean, green, angry machine. I just thought of that then, it's pretty good. But, but he's an angry guy, just all of a sudden becomes angry, really angry. And as we look through the ancient world and you look at the gods that we, you can read about and the superheroes, they all had superheroes but they also had this issue of, uh, of anger. That you don't want to be around them when they get angry. Zeus and Thor, what's Thor? He's the guy with the hammer. He got angry, he had the hammer and away he went. Now whether or not you believe what the Bible says is true, this is fundamentally important. When it talks about God and anger, we can't think about it like we do anger and people and anger and superheroes. For one thing, because it says God... The God in which we've been singing to this morning, that we pray to, that we acknowledge, he is perfect. In all of his ways, we sing that. But he is perfect. He's never mean. He He never sins. But, but God is a spirit. And, and we're told that in the Bible, which is really important to know because God never loses it. God never melts down. God never has pressure that rises to a point that he just becomes irrational that is not God you know in the old testament it's captured in some of the most colorful ways and I read this week that the Hebrew language and culture are very concrete they're very physical and in the old testament the Hebrew word for anger literally is the word for nose. When we read the word anger, the Hebrew word for nose. So when you get angry at somebody, essentially in the ancient times, they would think about the fact that your nostrils would flare up. That you raise your nose in contempt of somebody. Or that your face will get really red because of the blood collecting, particularly in that area. Which is important to know that in the Old Testament then, when it says they are slow, the God is slow to anger, literally means long nose. When you see that phrase in the Bible, slow to anger, literally means long nose, which I found myself just having a little peekaboo at my own nose in the mirror. Now, if you look to the person to your right, just right now, just have a bit of a look at their nose. Just come on, someone have a bit of a look. There you go. Just break the. If they've got a long nose... They, they, you need to really respect them because they have a very reverent aspect towards them. If, if, like me, they've got a little stumpy nose, you know they've got a short fuse. Anyway, there you go, you learned something today, but no. But here's the thing, when you think about how God is viewed, God is called slow to anger. This is so central to God's character, it's central to His name. It says this, When he revealed himself to Moses. It says this. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with Moses and proclaimed his name, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness rebellion and sin a lot of people miss that of God but that is who he is as he revealed himself that's essential of who the character of God is slow to anger so whenever you see the word um, slow to anger One of the things that you need to also note is that he is abounding in love, follows very carefully after those words, that he is slow to anger, abounding in love. And you see that throughout the Old Testament. That's the God of the Bible. He's not mean, he's not irritable, he doesn't fly off the handle. He's not slow to anger. Second question that gets asked and can come out of what we've just even talked about is this, is why is it in the Bible... Especially in the Old Testament that God seems to fly off the handle when he gets angry. Now, it was great for me that I thought a good way of answering this actually came out of a uh, devotion that I did in my readings this week that came out of um, the reading of 2 Samuel chapter 6. And it gave a great reflection um, for me out of this. Because you can read this story... And it seems like a bit of a weird story in our time, even strange, strange story of anger. But, but it's worth having a look at and then you hopefully, as I did, got a bit more of an understanding of it. In this particular story that we find here in 2 Samuel chapter 6, the Ark of the Covenant, which I'll explain a little bit more in just a minute, is being returned to Jerusalem. And the Israelites have won it back from their enemies, the Philistines. And there's this big parade, there's this big celebration going on, 30,000 people watching and celebrating what's going on. And the ark is put, and this is an important point to see, the ark is put in a cart being drawn by two oxen and guided by a a guy by the name of Uzzah. And then this weird thing happens, and it says here, when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon... Uzzah reached out and he took hold of the Ark of God because the oxen had stumbled. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. Therefore, God struck him down and he died there beside the Ark of Of God then David was angry because of the Lord's wrath had broken against Uzzah and to this place to this day the place is called Perez Uzzah now this is the kind of story a lot of times you read in the Bible and it's like what is going on it seems like the guy actually did the right thing In fact, shouldn't he be commended for what he did? Why would God do this? This was pointed out in this little devotion I did, which is really helpful for me. You need to understand too that the people who are writing these words, they fully understood who God was and that he was a God who was slow to anger. So walk through this a little bit here in the old testament there was a really clear instructions on how the ark was to be transported all the israelites reading this story would have known all about that and they would repeat it at numbers of times and the ark is in this box and it was really really important to israel it had the 10 commandments in it it had gold rings on it i think we can see a little bit on it and poles would go through those rings and the priests were to carry those poles so the ark would be up on their shoulders and the ark would because it had God's law in it the ten commandments in it was kind of like this expression this embodiment or the presence of God in Israel's midst it was the most sacred thing and how they treated it in many ways was how they were treating God And again, in this culture in the ancient world, if a king was going from one place to another, they would be transported on what was called a litter, a Roman litter that we can see on the right hand, on my right hand, on your right too. Sorry. And and there'd be this throne or there'd be this seat and they would have rings through it and the poles through it to carry the, to to put through the rings. And these noblemen, the servants of the kings, they would carry the king. And this was such an honour the king and this was a person of honor and the way in which to teach the people of the time we must honor the king we must honor this person we must follow this person you'd never put a king on a cart you never did that if you put a car a king on the cart per se it would be an insult to them And to make matters worse, the whole reason of of Israel lost the ark was that they mistreated God, they mistreated it, and they lost it. And they lost it in a battle to the Philistines. They learnt through that, that you cannot manipulate God. You cannot forget God. That he's not there in their pocket. And hence they lost it. And here they find themselves now back in this place. 30,000 of them celebrating that the ark is back with them. And how they treat the ark is how they learn about God. Is God an object to be manipulated or is he a person to be loved and obeyed? See, this whole story starts to get into how am I treating God? How do I respect God? How do I obey God? Putting the ark on a cart was demeaning and here we have this man trying to save it off the cart and he loses his life now I read that and I think well couldn't they just put him at the back of the line giving him a time out or something why did he have to lose his life for that but when we think about God and when we think about death we look at death the worst possible outcome But here's the thing that I want to highlight for us when it comes to death and when it comes to God. God's not wiping this guy out and saying, well, I just wish he didn't exist. I've forgotten about him. I don't like him at all. We look at death and it's the worst. You know, I was speaking to someone that helped me a little bit understand this, even understanding God and death. And they were sharing with me their situation, their health situation. And they were saying, listen, I want physical healing for my body. I don't want to lose my life. But I understand that death in this world, in this place in which I live, is not the worst thing for me, that I'm still going to be in the presence of God. God's not going to wipe. He's not going to forget me. He's got my best interest at heart. And it's really important for us to understand as we read through the Bible and as we read through these Old Testament stories, that you believe that God is truly slow by nature. become angry that he is actually abounding in love and that is in life and in death that he has the absolute best in mind for any human being and that's who God is that's the God of love that's the God of the Old Testament that is the God that Jesus spoke about so much as he walked the earth this is the one that Jesus loved Leads us to another question. Is God a loving God or is he an angry God? People say, I believe God is a God of love. Others say, well, you know what? I love the God of the New Testament, but not of the Old Testament. He just sounds so angry. I'll tell you who would never say anything like that is Jesus. Because that is where he got all his information about God. He says, as we read before this first commandment that jesus spoke of he said and it comes from the old testament love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your strength and with all your mind we read it this morning god wants to be loved he loves jesus taught that now, as we think about anger, and this is an important thing to take with us this morning, when we think about love and we think about anger, the opposite of love is not anger. The opposite of love is malice. Malice is this will to harm. Anger isn't so much that, that's the emotion. Hey, I wanna, I'm angry, so I want to I wanna bring some malice to you. I've been wronged. And that's the problem with our human anger. We want to get back at people. You've ruined this for me, so I want to get back at you. That's why James, the the brother of Jesus, says everyone should be slow to become angry. Why? Because human anger, not God's anger, human anger doesn't produce the righteousness that God calls for us to have. Human anger says, right, I've been wrong, so I'm going to get back at you, so we're even. Or I want to get back at you because you, you've made me the victim. We actually, and this might sound strange to you, we actually enjoy anger at times. I want to retaliate. You know, people can do the craziest things I've noticed when they're angry. Right now we're in the midst of Wimbledon, the final. Some of you might be a little drowsy because you stayed up last night to watch the women's final, I'm not sure. But who plays tennis? Who's played tennis before? Who's ever played tennis? Alright, or table tennis, whatever. Let's just go with tennis at the moment. Who has seen an angry tennis player? All right. if you haven't, Google John McEnroe. Alright. What, what do tennis players do when they get angry? What do they do? Are, who do they blame? The racket. The racket. Well, I was watching uh, the player Andy Murray once, and he was getting angry at his clothes because they were bothering him because he was losing the set. Have you ever noticed that they never get angry when they're winning? You ever noticed that? Okay, they blame the ref, the umpire, whatever, the linesman. They'll they'll blame the tennis balls. The water's not cold enough. All sorts of things. And it doesn't just happen at Wimbledon. It doesn't just if you go to The basin over 40s next Saturday and have a bit of a look down there I'm sure you're going to find one guy throwing his racket or blaming his doubles partner or whatever because he's playing bad one of the craziest things I've ever seen is that on the screen there Marcus Baghdadis if you want some enjoyment just for 30 seconds google that Marcus Baghdadis from Cyprus Australian Open he incredibly destroyed I think six rackets in in a matter of 30 seconds what a marvellous effort that is. Isn't that just incredible? <laughs> oh, He just didn't bang him once. You can see the one on the left, it's looking more like, I don't know, a golf stick. I don't know, but he destroyed it. You know, we get mad at all sorts of things. We get mad at our phones. If it doesn't work properly, we, what are you doing? We get mad at our phones. If our computer doesn't email something quickly, we, what's wrong with it? What's wrong with the internet? What's wrong with Telstra? Who said that before? Yeah, exactly. All right, let's vent it all out. Let's get angry together. But all sorts of stuff make us angry. But you know what happens? We get a little irrational too. Sometimes we get really irrational. God, I want to say this God does anger. But God doesn't do malice, God doesn't do mean. See, it's really important for us as we think and we think about this question, is God angry? It's really important to understand the connection of love and anger. Because God is person, therefore God loves and God feels deeply. Anger is connected to love. C.S. Lewis put it like this, anger is the fluid that love bleeds when you cut it. You know, one way I can sin with anger is I get mad when I shouldn't. But another way, which is a much rarer way, is that I can fail to actually get angry when I should. When something has happened to someone else, to another human being, I I ought to be angry about that. Some of us, even within the church, and I say this, the church generally... We're just docile, we don't get angry about the things that anger God. Where we need to be a voice, where we need to make a stand. If you think about how the world is today and we see how people are mistreated, how people are bullied, how people are treated so badly, what kind of God would go, well, that's how it is out there. You know this that's the way it goes. God is not like that when we see people who are who are physically abused of uh, such a young age or such an old age or people are, are trafficked for sex by no choice of their own, what kind of God would say well well that's just the way it goes no no I, I believe that 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 does anger God. it should anger us, but in In responding in an appropriate way. The Bible says that he does get angry. But he does not do malice. He does not do mean. He does not do sin. And the scriptures are talking to us here, and even through what we read of James, is that we are to bring our anger to God. Nearly even saying, is this right for me to be angry about I want to surrender it to you. Again, remember what Paul says, in your anger. He doesn't say never get angry. He says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Don't get, give the devil a foothold. The devil can get a foothold in your anger. Surrender your anger to God. Folks, I've got to say, I've lost it every now and again. That might surprise you, but I have. But here's the thing that I've actually also noted about myself, is I'm not a, I don't really explode with anger every moment of every day. But what I do notice about myself as I think about it, I do it in passive ways. I do it in pouting ways. I can come home from work and on my way home I just think, I just want to sit down and I don't want to do anything. I, just, I deserve some time out. You know, and all of a sudden, the kids will ask, and Son will ask me for that massive task of, can you set the table? And, like, you've got to be joking, you know. And, and all of a sudden, it just builds up and up and up. And I, I become angry. And then at the end of it, you, you know what happens normally? You think, well, what was that about? Because I've become irrational. I've been thinking about myself. I might be the only one that acts like that. I'm not too sure. But I think not. Here's the great thing. There's this amazing thing that God has given when it comes to anger. That God has given to us. When we get angry, we get malice, when we get uh, irrational, where we treat others horribly through our anger, he's given us this gift of forgiveness. And that's what can happen when I bring my anger to him, when I bring it to the cross. See, the cross is where God's anger at sin and God's great love for sinners meet. It's the cross where anger and love meet and the result is forgiveness. That's the amazing power that can be part of my life and yours that heals the malice and anger that unleashes in us. I want to ask one more question, more or less to give you some hope. And this is the last one. Is God mad at me? I sense some people here would ask that question today. Is God angry at me? Angry of some of the things I've done, the choices I've made, or I'm even making now? Is God sort of sitting there with his button on the smite, his computer with the smite, ready to drop the piano on me? I didn't get it right. I want to tell you, and you may know this it is true that God experiences anger and that's a really good thing i would hope out of today you can take but if you come to him at the cross with an open heart you'll never have to wonder god's not angry at me he's not angry at you god's love for you more than you can possibly imagine is so great from one moment to the next god wants to do the best by you the best that can be done that is god i want to close with this little quote that i'd like you to it's on the screen now. And it's just this beautiful statement that comes out of the Old Testament again through the prophet Jeremiah and it's put this way in the message. God told them, I'm never, I'll, I've never quit loving you and I never will. Expect love, love and more love. What we can expect from the God for eternity is love, love love and more love i'll never quit loving you and never will let me pray just as the music team comes up you might want to bring to god right now whatever thought or idea or feeling you might have when you think about god just you nobody else just you and god just bring it to him right now what what might be in your mind when you think about God. Maybe you're kind of afraid of him or you're feeling like he's he's distant from you right now. Maybe out of what we've talked about this morning, you've been carrying this resentment or anger, this this disappointment, possibly even bitterness, that you need to lay down before the cross, to lay it before God. Say, God, this is... This is the issue of anger. This is the issue of bitterness. Maybe this is the issue of resentment because it's an ongoing issue with someone. Maybe it's a health issue. Whatever it might be. And and I want to ask you to invite God for the power to seek forgiveness. Forgiveness from him. Maybe it's from somebody else. Maybe it's to offer forgiveness to somebody. Not too sure. But just to bring it before God right now, I just want to give you a moment of silence right now to be able to do that. God, I pray for us today. I pray for those that are here this morning that they would know this but not only those who aren't in relationship with you but for all of us actually God that we would know that there are things that do make you angry but yet they are your anger is never one of malice it's never irrational it's never an anger to want to see hurt in anybody but you are a God that is slow to anger. I would pray that we would be reminded of that, that you are a God, most importantly, that is covered in love, but a love that you want to give and express to us time and time and time again. And we thank you for that. May we see you as you really are. We would pray that you will reveal yourself continually to us, for we pray this In your name, amen.